Hey, Jen, what are we talking about today? Ooh, do you think relationships have life cycles? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes you have to walk away from a client. And sometimes clients decide they've gotten their best from you. Yep. Next up is our tribute to Kenny Rogers. No one to hold them and no one to fold them. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Jen Estel. And I'm Karen Steffel. Managing creativity in business? We probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. Let's talk about this cherry blossom. At first, it scared me because I don't like cherry anything, but I like this one a lot. What's in this one? Yeah, so lime, grapefruit, and tequila makes it feel like summer. Uh, you can add as much or as little tequila as you like, depending on how sweet you like it. And we're using 1800 silver tequila. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's got some grenadine in it, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And that gives it the beautiful color. So it's it's not a cherry drink. It is a delightful drink. I love anything with grapefruit. So you guys check it out. I was just going to say that. I do love grapefruit. And grapefruit and tequila are a great match. They sure are. So um, we're going to be having this one again. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about... We're talking about breakups. We're talking about breakups. <laughs> Um, this Kenny Rogers thing, it cracked me up. I just love it. Karen came up with it. It made me so happy. Um, then I started thinking is the song like, is that about breaking up or sharing cigarettes or good advice? But it sent me down this ridiculous rabbit hole of breakup songs. So I think, I feel like there's some stages of them, right? Mm -hmm. So like the first decision would be what? Well, it's the decision to break up and that's where nowhere to hold them, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, right? Mm-hmm. But what else? I, I came up with a couple other ones. So, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Do you remember that song from when we were uh, kids? Paul Simon. Yes. Oh my gosh, that one is so funny. I have memories of being a little kid singing it in the car with my mom. And then um, The End of the Road from Boys to Men. Oh, middle school maybe? Yeah, maybe. Deciding about deciding to break up. <laughs> yes. What's What's the next stage? Okay, the next stage is knowing you'll be okay. And I there's like two songs that I think are the epitome of this. And the first is I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, which... Yes. Have you... How many times have you sang that in the top of your lungs or from the top of your lungs in your car with your girlfriends? Oh, so many. But the, the strange little secret is the band Cake did a remake of it, and I love Cake very much. And this is one of my favorites of theirs because it's got good trumpets. They're just... I love them, but... Yeah, they're great. Love this one. And then, uh, so the one that we decided that neither of us liked, what was that, Karen? Um, oh, <laughs> Taylor Swift, we're never, ever getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, like, you know, it's like, we well, no, we're going to be okay. We're for sure going to do this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fine. I'm going to be fine. This is fine. We're fine. I'm fine. Look at me. I'm fine. Yeah. I don't care if we're breaking up. We should break up. We're good. And then there's that, that last beautiful stage. Yeah. Where you're just, you finally have your heart right. And you're thinking, you know, I always have a soft spot in my heart for you and I'm good now. And I learned so much from that phase. What's the song? I will always love you by Whitney Houston. Oh, Oh. Whitney. (laughs) Do you remember the movie, The Bodyguard? Yes. Kevin Costner was such a good man for her in that movie. I know. And her voice was so beautiful. And so like, I feel like the Whitney... I will always love you is is the epitome of after the breakup and you're looking back on the fond memories, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, maybe we'll put together. This is a- maybe this is maybe the most we've waxed poetic about our clients <laughs> ever. 
ever. I think we should put together a breakup song um, list on Spotify. That would be pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Check and check. (laughs) Check and check. No, but really, we kind of want to talk about, let's, let's talk about when clients break up with you, because that's pretty hard to stomach when you're somebody like Render or Redhead, right? Oh, for sure. I think it's only really happened to us maybe once that I can remember where the project just didn't go well. And, and it maybe, and I don't know, I'd have to really reflect on it. Maybe it's because it wasn't a match to begin with, right? But I just remember it being awkward communication and it was hard to really get the client to really truthfully articulate what they needed and wanted. And so then we didn't deliver correctly. And then that was frustrating. I don't really remember a ton of specifics, but it was painful. Was that breakup in the midst of a project or after a project? Do you remember? Yeah, it was after a project, but it was very clear that they were just glad that it was over. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the that's one of the like the blindsided, right? We've had one of those too. We've only ever had one of those where we were super blindsided. And, you know, I will say I was not the one in the room that got let go. It happened to a teammate of ours, but um, our team went into the room thinking we were kicking off the next year's project and oh, instead no. got... Yeah, and instead got told, um, we're not doing this anymore because we felt like your service lacked. So it was a super mm-hmm. blind side. It yeah. happens. I mean, so so there's lots of reasons. So we're talking about kind of where it's not a match. We're talking about failure potentially or, you know, I think sometimes a client moves on. You know this. You have gained clients before because your client moved on to a new role in a new organization, right? So then they brought you business. So there. Are, so for that reason, that would be a reason why we might lose business also. Yeah, because everybody has their favorites. And, you know, when you're on the receiving end, you want to be the person who comes along, right? You want to have a great relationship with your client. And when they move to another organization, you want them to take you with, which means mm-hmm. somebody who's the incumbent has to go. So as a as a studio, we know, we know how that works and we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's natural and sometimes it's really healthy to have turnover. Um, but when it blindsides you, like your example and my example, that's never a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you, I, I mean, we can understand when it's like budget or, you know, a key person moves on. Like those are just kind of natural ways that things kind of refresh themselves or turn over. But if it's a service issue or a trust issue or a failure, that's on you. <laughs> and that's so hard. Yeah, that's that so is. hard. And, you know, you expect competition. You expect like you, you're not going to win 100%. But the things that you have control over, you you better make sure your A game's being played, right? Yeah. And on top of that, um, it's always that remembering not to get comfortable and, and make an assumption that, oh, this one's on lock or this one should be easy or I'm feeling very confident because it's very easy to slip into neglect when you're having those feelings. Not even intentional neglect, just, you know, it's it's just like a relationship with a new person at the beginning you're very attentive and you're very excited and you're enthusiastic and you really want to know what they have to think but once you become comfortable the attention to detail can slip right and so you can't and and that could definitely lead to a breakup so you you can't let that happen yeah i think apathy is a cancer in any relationship 
Yes, that's true. <laughs> I've always said uh, when we're in like a a new contract period or we know we need to, you know, put up, put together a proposal for next year's budget for that client, you know, I, I've always said to my team, this is our client to lose. Like we're already the incumbent. If we've done all the right things, all, all every step along the way, then we still have the upper hand. So it's our client to lose rather than you have to scrap to win, right? So I think it's always best, as everybody has always said, it's more expensive to get a client than to retain a client. The best thing you can do is just not to lose them in the first place. That is true. And what is, so then this is sort of um, taking us a side route from what we thought we were talking about, but what are your tactics to make sure that you're not losing them in the first place? I think service and experience is key. I think if you if you're really listening to your client, you understand the difference between what they want, what they say they want and what they need. And you're able to translate what they're saying into um, a proposal or a create, you know, a creative proposal that is meaningful to them. And I think it's really really important that especially in our lines of work and service-oriented businesses, service-oriented B2B, that you have to understand what the thing is that you're doing for them, what it means to them, because this isn't about the deliverable always. It's about what what the deliver, that deliverable symbolizes for that company or that organization. Because if you don't have a connection to that, then you haven't really tapped into the gravity of the thing that you're participating in. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And we always say, all the things we do seem like creative things, but really they're just business tools. And if you don't understand and care about the business goals, you're not going to make good tools, right? Yeah. And so really understanding the point of it, you're not making a video for video's sake. You're not making a new logo or a website just for the sake of a new logo or a new website. You're making it to solve a business problem and to hit some sort of strategy or goal. And so if you're not respectful of those strategies and goals, it's really easy to feel like you're just turning it into a commodity. So keeping keeping your eye on that larger goal, I think, really does help. I also think it's important, 100% agree with you. I think it's also important to understand underneath the business goal, your client has a very, a very specific professional personal goal that is underneath the success and performance of the thing that you're engaging in. And while that shouldn't be your first motivation, knowing um, and understanding what it means to that person as a professional and how they look and what it will do for their career, I think is also meaningful. Yeah, I think it is. And, you know, you say it's not your first consideration, but maybe sometimes it is because, you know, we always say our job is not to, our job is to challenge our client to do excellent work, but our job is not to make their life harder or make them, and make them feel like it's a cumbersome lift. Your job is to support them, to help them articulate their, their needs and to help them put their best foot forward. And if you can, if you can take that very seriously, especially if you have a quality client, wanting them to succeed in their career and feel some sort of pride in the work that you guys are doing together is a great, is, it's just a great way to run your business, right? So that's how to not, not break up. <laughs> right. But clients are going to say no. And whether that's a prospect or an existing client, at some point, somebody's going to say no. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 How do you, how do you feel when, when you get, when the breakup happens? Listen, I am so competitive when I get a no on a proposal. 
um, it, it, it's taken me a long time to have that not, you know, make me feel a certain way. So I have to, I have to realize that it's not personal. Right. And I think sometimes, but is it, is it it personal? It's personal. It's your business. Oh, for sure. But, but here's how I look at it. Sometimes I think a no is a gift in disguise. If somebody didn't get your value that you articulated to the best of your ability in your proposal, a no might be a gift in disguise because you may have, if it's a no, is if it's a budget no, then you would have over-delivered That's and they wouldn't have true. understood the value. Um, you would have been um, training that client to expect a lot for a little. Yeah, um, for sure. So there's a lot of reasons why a no might be a blessing. And so that I kind of... Maybe I'm fooling myself or making myself feel better by having that point of view. But um, I think sometimes a no is a blessing. It's just not a match. Yeah, I agree with you 100% really. I mean, I kind of poke at you about it, but I think that that's true. You don't, like, if it's meant to be, it's going to be, which sounds super cheesy, but I believe that it's true. If somebody understands your way of approaching something, if they respect the budget and the expertise you're bringing to it, that's going to be a yes. If for some reason, especially like you said, if the no is budget, I have no ego over that whatsoever. Well, you're lost. We're not the right person for you. Best of luck. Let us know if we can help some other day. That's that's very easy for us to swallow um, because we know that we don't discount to a significant degree for most of our clients, right? So when, but when the no comes from somebody who you thought was going to be if going when the no comes from somebody you thought was going to be a fit, I think that's a blessing in disguise because it makes me self-reflect and see, did we not communicate what we do well enough? Mm -hmm. How could we have changed this process? How could we have changed this outcome? And so sometimes that's good because that self-reflection leads to growth. But then other times, well, we're just not going to be a fit. And, you know, have you ever walked into a meeting with a prospect and you know right off the bat, it's going to be a no, like from the first five mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're just not your people, right? So that prospect can break up with you. Yeah. My most recent no on a proposal um, both fired me up and made me super annoyed, but also was a really great way for me to go, well, then that just wasn't the right fit. It was an RFP. I appreciated that it was, it, it, um, had a limit to two pages as a response, which, which is great, right? Cause sometimes you write and write and write and write and write. This was a two page response. You had to demonstrate your, uh, your understanding of their industry and provide a solution and a price not to exceed. Right. So I even knew what my threshold was. And, um, I, when I got my no, I was so th- floored And so because I didn't know the person, I just said, hey, I totally understand. I hope you have a great experience with the person that you've selected. Can you let me know what my my deficit was? And she said that the um, company that they selected, they thought went above and beyond because they put um, their logo on the proposal cover sheet. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. And I didn't put a proposal cover sheet on it, which I normally would. Because it was an extra page. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I like to bend the rules on those page counts. I'm like, yeah, the cover page doesn't count. But what that says to me is that client is focusing on the micro things and not the not the really important things, right? If the client is focusing yeah. on something minute, 
like that, which is easily solvable with a conversation, they're not mm-hmm. really listening to the larger message. The strategy. The strategy and expertise and all those kinds of things. We lost a client once, very similar to you. We really wanted it. We put a lot of effort into pitching. And when we lost it and we asked the question, <laughs> they actually they es- essentially said, well, the other agency showed that they could put our logo on a chapstick. I was like, we can put your logo on shit. Anybody can put your logo on a piece of shit. That's not the point. You know what I mean? Like, chapstick. Everybody can put your logo on a goddamn tchotchke. Of course you can. That remains, that doesn't even need to be said. Like that was my reaction. You like, could put your own logo on chapstick. There are websites out there for all the things. So <laughs> we were... I mean, after we picked our chins up off the floor and dusted them off and tried to think, okay, so maybe that means we didn't articulate our breadth of skills or services, or maybe it just means that the client was thinking small things and we were talking about the big stuff and we wouldn't have been a fit. I'll go with yeah. that one because everybody can put your logo on chapstick. Oh my goodness. I didn't put their logo on the pro- proposal. On the proposal or on the chapstick. Yeah, because the thing about it is, once you hire somebody good to do the good work, the small things, like slapping a logo on it, anybody can do. Your intern can do that. You don't need agency rates <laughs> to get that stuff yeah. done. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that, it stings. It stings once in a while, but it, it's really good to think that means they wouldn't have been a fit for the way we think. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of not being a fit for the way that you think, there are times where you have to break up with your clients. That's hard. It is hard. And sometimes it takes a minute to take because you don't want to be rude and blunt about it. <laughs> we had a client we, we needed to break up with. We just weren't in alignment anymore and they really didn't need us. And it took us three months of progressively more obvious conversations until they finally really understood it. So I don't know if that means we did a bad job of saying you're, you're fired or if that means... I don't even know what that means, but it, it took them a while to take the hint. Yeah, I took the road my last time I uh, fired a client, and it was a significant financial risk, but it but it was what I knew needed to be done, and I had thought about it for two years. It was a 20-year relationship. That's a long time. And I just finally said, I didn't drop hints, I just finally said, I won't do this round with you again. I won't do this project with you again. It it no longer aligns with my values. And I can no longer say yes when I can't say yes to money when I don't agree with the philosophy. And it didn't go well. Um, It was very much a how dare you and you'll be sorry. It was not great. But, and I've not spoken to that person since and um, that tells me that in 20 years, I was just a transaction who I thought was with a friend. Yeah. When they threatened and so you. I haven't, I haven't looked back. Do you feel like that burned a bridge or affected your business in any way? No. It, it, um, I worried about it quite a bit after that because it was very much a how dare you. You know, you'll regret this. And... Um, I think that more than anything, it's opened me up to focus on things that I'm truly passionate about. 
I'm not going to look in my rearview mirror about it at all. And when I was treated like I was simply a transaction for something to happen, I knew I'd made the right decision. Yeah, for sure. And I Because if you that- can have a grown-up conversation about it, <laughs> then there's yeah. your answer. And the fact, the fact that they would react that way speaks volumes as to why you weren't in alignment anyway. And at that point, you don't want to just be a vendor doing what somebody, you know, cleaning the corners that somebody points at. And if they're going to have that kind of reaction, they just saw you as somebody providing a replaceable service, right? Yeah. I I wasn't bringing value anyway. So, and, and, uh, I didn't need to give up my team's capacity, um, on an annual basis for that person anymore. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. It's hard though. When it's not in alignment with where your business needs to go. And that's, you know, sometimes breakups happen because your business has changed or where you want your business to go has changed or the skill set that you keep in house are different than a skill set that the client needs. And so when you can articulate, hey, client, it's time for the for us to part ways. I think that's a very grown up thing to do to number one, be brave enough to let go of that revenue, because that's a scary thing for business owners. Um, but number two, to open yourself and your space up for something that's a better fit or a more satisfying fit or something that will round out your portfolio in a way you want it to. So I think that that's a brave yeah. decision. It, it, thank you. It, it took a lot of courage. But what I really saw was that if I didn't do it exactly when I did it, I knew I had other eyes looking at me, my, my very valuable team. And I knew that what I, my talk and my walk had to align and that I had to do it for my team, for myself, for my company, but for my team, I knew they were watching and I knew that they wanted the same thing. Yeah. Well, and that, that brings up such a good point that as a leader, your, well, depends on what kind of business you want to run, but as a leader, you have to understand, is this client or is this relationship affecting my team in a way that is going to drain them or make them feel, feel stressed or, make them feel unsatisfied in their, in their day job, because that's not very healthy either. So sometimes that breakup with a client is so you can not have to break up a good team. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I knew that, that my moment, I knew when that moment was right in front of me and I had to do it. Yeah. Dang. It's pretty fast. Good for you, man. I'll tell you though, <laughs> Karen's brave. Dear listeners, she's a she's a brave one. It's true. She makes good decisions. <laughs> I try. It was all those. It was, it was all that playing scruples when I was a kid. <laughs> Did you ever have scruples that game? I remember it. That's funny. Right along with the Kenny Rogers, right? <laughs> Childhood <laughs> memories. <laughs> and, and the Michigan Rummy. Oh yeah, good old Euchre. Um, speaking of which, this cherry blossom. Yeah. Would have gone good with um, a good old game of Euchre or, or Michigan Rummy. It's true. It's a delightful drink. It's got a really pretty color to it with the grenadine. And I just, the lime and the grapefruit is a really good combination. So you guys should check it out. Mm-hmm. Summer. Summer. It's a, delici- it's a delicious one for sure. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. What are we talking about next time, Jen? Next time... Uh, ooh, it's a juicy one. Guilt. Ugh. It's a powerful emotion. We've all experienced it, to be sure. Sometimes more than others. 
How is guilt playing a role in your personal and professional life during this work from home experience? Oh man, I, I can't wait to dig into that. <laughs> I feel like it's, a, it's gonna be therapeutic to talk about. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a useful episode. So we will see you all next time. Cheers. Cheers.